for the purposes of this podcast, do you want to be referred to as Tuffy or do you want to use your... Yeah, just Tuffy. Okay. No Tuff- one really seems to use my real name but, anymore. And is it Lil Tuffy with the apostrophe? Yeah, the apostrophe is Without optional. the apostrophe? Okay, I'm an editor, so I, yeah. need, to, I need these things. To I don't really doing. have a preference either way. That was gig poster artist Lil Tuffy. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from artists, dancers, bartenders, and other San Franciscans telling stories and responding to the question, what is it about this place? Happy New Year and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6, Part 1. Tuffy moved to San Francisco in the late 90s, partly for a job, but more so because of the then vibrant music scene here. In this podcast, he'll talk about his foray into venues and bartending in the city. He ends the episode talking about the night in 2010 when the San Francisco Giants won their first World Series. Here's Lil Tuffy. I moved to San Francisco. My The company I worked for got bought and we got transferred out here. So we became Quicken.com, basically. So I worked in a lot of financial websites back then. Um, it was perfect timing when they announced that. I was actually out here interviewing for new jobs. Um, I had come out to visit here quite a bit through work, and it became apparent that this is where I was supposed to be. Um, I was out here during noise pop, and that was one of my first music experiences here. And like looking through the paper, like every band I ever wanted to see was playing like in the next month, uh, which was not the case when I was in Pittsburgh, like a lot of bands came through there once and never came back again. Mm. Um, so it was more for, you know, the social life and my interest in music is what brought me out here. The job was the necessary evil. Um, I wanted to work in music and I did a lot of stuff on the side and at night. Um, I started a small record label, which was a huge failure. Like starting a record label just cause you want to design album covers is, not really the best decision. <laughs> was it fun until it ended? I mean, it was fun until you, you had to get paid and like trying to chase money around and like you know, deal with egos and deal with your friends and trying to figure out who's getting paid for what and then never ever paying any bills. And so it was short lived. Well, yeah, I mean, when I lived in Pittsburgh, we were traveling a lot we were renting cars and driving to dc and baltimore and cleveland and chicago to see all these bands that were bypassing pittsburgh or wheeling west virginia and morgantown like columbus ohio um so i was i spent a lot of time in music venues before i came out here but even when i moved out here in the late 90s there was already big changes happening in san francisco not quite as bad as they are now but like the kilowatt stopped doing shows and um the trocadero the paradise um, watching that neighborhood change drastically and having venues closed to become office spaces. Um, it was shocking then and to have it happen again, it's so much worse this time, but yeah, it's, it's great that some of those venues are still here. Bob the Hill is, you know, an old stalwart and such amazing history there. And you mentioned Parkside. Yeah. The Parkside, I, when I started there, it was still mostly a restaurant and bar. And then, um, we started doing shows there. I brought in my PA. It was like really DIY. I was going to ask if you had a hand in yeah. getting the music started. Um, I was doing some booking at another bar that's now closed. And I started working with those guys and helping with like the first budget rock. And 
um, that kind of stuff and helping book country bands and rockabilly stuff. Um, so yeah, then we tore out the, all the booths and built a small stage and slowly upgraded all the equipment and it became kind of like this garage rock mecca for a while. Um, and it was really cool being there for that. And that's right when I first started doing posters as well. So it was a really cohesive environment to be in. It was probably around 2000, 2001, 2002, um, I think is when that started in like 2003. It really started to kind of take off. And um, at the time I lived in like the old Best Foods mayonnaise warehouse. Um, so I'd have like after parties as well. So bands that would, for some reason, a lot of Detroit bands would end up partying at my house around two in the morning. And um, Nothing was, to do with your being from there? or not really. I mean, cause I don't really, I never really spent any formulative years there. Like I moved away when I was pretty young. Um, but uh, for, uh, you know, the first couple of years of doing posters and doing that stuff, I was kind of known as the Detroit guy and they kept calling me a Detroit artist, which isn't really true. Um, but yeah, for some reason, like the Detroit Cobras and the dirt bombs and, um, it seemed like every time they came to town, there'd end up being some all night party at my house. And it, I lived above a brewery, so they'd donate a keg. My roommate worked for Lucky Strike, so there'd be free cigarettes everywhere. There was various other party favors from people I knew in town. And um, it was usually a pretty good time. I moved to San Francisco in 1997. Um, I initially did design work in the tech field before the first dot-com bomb. Um, and then shortly after 2000, I retired from that field, I guess. And I started bartending and, um, booking bands to Parkside and did my first couple gig posters there. And it was more of a hobby than anything else. And then I started working with the firehouse and I got a few jobs for Bob in the Hill and a few other venues around town. And, uh, it just slowly became a full-time career. Um, I kept bartending up until about five years ago and uh when the bar got sold i decided to focus solely on this and became a parent i probably should have done that a little sooner but you know it's hard to get out of the bar life yeah i just i kind of started bartending by accident when i was starting to do stuff at the park side i was just kind of hanging out there one day and it was super busy and i just kind of got up and started helping and without being asked yeah, kind of like there's just, you know, I started washing dishes and taking stuff and whatever. And they're like, okay, we'll pour this beer, make this drink, do that. I'm like, okay. And then like when it was over, like, yeah, you did an okay job. We had no idea. Like you knew how to bartend. I'm like, well, I don't, I've just been sitting here watching people for years. Uh, so like they started, they, yeah, they gave me a chance and I started bartending every once in a while and learning a little bit. And then um, when the ownership flip flopped, uh, I don't. I just became the manager all of a sudden, and ended the up bar, the bar manager. Yeah. Okay. So, which happens every time this happens, but uh, so yeah, I did that for a while, and then um, kind of burned out working like six days a week from open to close was a bit much. Uh, and then I I took a step away, and then I injured myself and didn't really work for a while, and then. Um, once I finally was able to walk and carry stuff again, 
uh, I took a Monday night shift to Pops just basically to kind of get out of the house and start doing stuff again. Um, and I worked there for a couple of years doing various things. And then one day I decided to fix a bunch of stuff and the owners were like, oh, it's about time someone like stepped up. So you can run the place now. <laughs> and that's kind of how that happened as well. Kind of the same story. Almost. Yeah. Um, you said you were there when the Giants clinched the World Series in 2010. Yeah. Which, of course, is, I would say, the only one that matters, but still, to me, the best. Do you want to yeah. talk about that night? Are you, oh, wait, are you a Giants fan? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, do you want to talk about that night at the bar? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. I mean, the whole, like, that whole end of the season and the playoffs was, was pretty crazy. And back then, it's back then, eight years ago, um, a lot of bars were still, like, anti-sports. You know, they wouldn't show baseball games or basketball games. And because a couple of our other bartenders were huge Giants fans, we were already set up and equipped for that. And I brought in my big screen TV. So we had multiple TVs to watch on. We had someone DJing during the commercials. So we didn't have to listen to stupid ads. And um, Was the bar just... Because where I was was loud enough that we didn't have to hear Joe Buck's voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was another thing. Like We were trying to figure out how we could get rid of Joe Buck as much as possible. But it was also because no one else was really playing sports. Like We were packed. So, you know, I think it was like Pops, uh, J&B, the 500. Like those were like the few bars where you could watch playoffs in the World Series that season. And then like over the next couple of years, I watched all these bars suddenly like, oh, we'll have the Giants on while the playoffs on and like putting up projectors and stuff. I was going to say, going back to what you said about. In, at least in 2010 bars being reluctant i wonder yeah. what happened between it's like yeah. all the championships of all the teams around here it's been a crazy run but anyway yeah it's weird i mean i guess because <clears throat> like i don't know the niners and like the super bowl is always big at bars but every sunday it doesn't really seem to matter um but for some reason that baseball thing really became a thing and i think that's also carried over the warriors as well i know like i I wasn't the biggest basketball fan and I used to be super annoyed when someone would come in and like, Oh, can you put the basketball game on? I'm like, Oh, the Warriors are playing tonight. And they're like, Oh no. Like, I don't know, Milwaukee or something. I'm like, no, we're not going to watch some like out of market game right now. Like I want to watch point break. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, can we go back to the, the, the night of game five? I remember we had to close after the game cause it was just insane. And, 24th in York in the mission um you know it's kind of like police aren't going to be coming anytime soon like I remember like fireworks going underneath cars and people firing guns into the air and um and then two of my friends uh, one of them got punched and one of them tripped but they both broke their nose and broke a tooth and like their reactions were just polar opposites of each other. Like one of them's cheery and happy and laughing about it. And the other one's just having a complete meltdown, you know, and screaming how she needs to get an ambulance, go to the hospital. I'm like, it's two blocks away. Like you could walk, but, uh, yeah, it was a f- interesting night. And then, yeah, just having to close the bar. Cause it was just so rowdy outside and so many people. And one of the few, few nights of the year that we actually close. What did you do after you, after the bar? Closed? Um, then I made my way to, to mission street and uh i i think i left my bike at the bar and i remember just walking around and by that point you know buses are being turned over and 
garbage cans are being lit and on fire in the middle of the street. And um, at the time, I lived right by the beauty bar. And I remember being at that intersection uh, and people firing guns off. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to duck inside somewhere. And I think almost every, all three World Series, I ended up at the Lexington hmm. um, to finish celebrating. I got stuck in beauty bar the last time because they wouldn't let anyone out for a while. Uh, until they cleared the intersection. And then I think that night at the Lexington, I had to show them my ID to, to show them that I lived right there. And like, I'm your neighbor. Like, I just want to, <laughs> I'm not going to break anything. Yeah. Seeing that kind of, it reminded me of like critical mass in the late nineties. And when it used to be just gigantic and I'm just, they would block the entirety of downtown to the mission. They're just thousands of cyclists and how irate drivers would get and just lean on their horn and eventually just start driving into bicycles and out of the weird frustration whatever mental break they finally have and then the same thing u-locks being hurled into car windows and fights and yeah my um instagram is uh lil underscore toughy um i mean i think you just google a little toughy and all the relevant social media and links show up that was poster artist Lil Tuffy. Check back Thursday for part two, when Tuffy shares how he got into the poster business and became the prolific artist he is today. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Bigale. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Follow Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to like, share, and comment on our work. All the episodes, from seasons one and two, are up on our website, storiedsf.com. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>